on the ground smelling sweet. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of OG Influencers, the podcast that explores your favorite artists, favorite artists, favorite artist. A mouthful, I know. My name is Cece, and before we get any further, I would like to introduce you to my co-host, my oldest friend. <laughs> it's me. I'm Haley Hart. Welcome to the fucking podcast, people. This is Cece Osborne. This is Haley Hart. <laughs> Cece sitting across from me. Haley and looks amazing. Influencers. I look like normal. <laughs> she does, which is amazing. Normal is amazing. That's very nice of you. <laughs> Cece and I, I'm Cece's oldest friend. She is. Sometimes I wish Cece was my oldest friend. No offense to my other She made friends. one friend like before me, T. so I don't get the title, but she's my oldest friend. But Cece's so. like my best friend, so. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank you. you. Same. <laughs> Love you too. Haley, okay. We have to talk a little bit about our friendship because like we have just established, we are, we've been friends for a long time. Forever. Um, the second grade, <laughs> which we have a fun story that goes with that. Haley, would you like to share? Yeah. Okay. The genesis of our long relationship was when we bullied each other. And I, I swear to God, I started it. I don't know who started it. I It started in social studies class. That's what I remember. That's scary. During the social studies unit. And just a little bit of background. Um, so... Me, Cece Osborne. Um, you know, I've got like everyone's got ans- ancestry, you know, family history. <laughs> and it here, just so happens that one of my ancestors was a what was he, a general? He was a general for the Confederacy <laughs> during the the Civil War. Not funny, sorry. <laughs> Stonewall Jackson. He, I mean, like, you know, not proud of it, no. but you know, history is history and you are not yeah. responsible for your ancestors. But I was mad about it. She was mad. She called I, me. What did you call me, Haley? I said, you're evil. She called me a confederate. Yeah, I said, you're an com- evil confederate. She called me a confederate on the playground. And I think I cried because I like I like didn't really know what that was. But like it sounds bad. And I mean, I'm it was bad. Yeah. So through, I guess I, I was cried trying to freaking start another civil war on the playground. <laughs> So but I, I think subconsciously, I just wanted to be your friend. Really, we the universe knew what it was doing. It like it put us at odds when Haley said that to me, and I got upset. I think I called her pure evil and probably made like a mean face to her. And then we I were like, <laughs> we were both crying. <laughs> and I feel like someone was just like, you know, you guys could just be friends. And we were yeah. like, ooh, <laughs> what's that like? What an idea. Let's give it a go. Now we're the coolest girls in second grade. We were the coolest girls in second grade. To we us. had all the sleepovers. <laughs> we played Pop Tropica on the computer all I the time. About that. Yeah, we did that. I remember um, Cece is the reason I'm afraid of the dark. Like, oh my God. Your really? home is in the forest. You were constantly telling me about scary ass, like, ghosts and like what's it called uh goat man the goat man what? oh my gosh i remember freaking you out about and the sasquatch goat and she lives in this like scary like extraterrestrial like area it's scary it's I, i'm scary. still scared as i if i'm an errand and it's nighttime i park my car and i sprint into the garage and that's not a joke and i'm 22 years old i did that i did that to you Cece did that i'm so sorry it's fine but so <laughs> we're still friends we are we are and we're both about to graduate 
So I graduated already. Bitch. Oh yeah. Oh, she already what graduated. Up? I'm, you know, Milwaukee is a week behind Madison, so that's me this weekend. But <laughs> yeah, we're both kind of in the same boat of being mm-hmm. like sent we're, out into the world. <laughs> we're graduated. We're unemployed, and we're 22. So we have a podcast. So we have a podcast. Exactly. So what's up? This is our destiny. It's just like every other millennial. Yep. We're just. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here. Like yeah, we're. I'm not. You know, this is great. And so glad to have Haley. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks. And we both, so today we both have an artist that we're going to share with each other. We don't know who the other person's yeah. artist is. I like kind of have an idea of like what your oh. art genre is. Oh, yes. Okay. Because you kind of mentioned it to me and I told you, I probably shouldn't have, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm doing a comedian. A I'm doing a I'm comedian. doing someone else. And she's doing she's someone else. She could, uh, to me, she is. She's freaking, oh, she's a girl. Great. Mine's a dude. I need to I need to do more women. My first I podcast was all men. Women. It was all men. I want there to be like a gender mixed one. Like all of my men have been influenced by men. I want like mm. a man, woman, man, or woman, man, woman, or like even without outside of like Yeah. In I the middle of the gender spectrum. By a woman. Yeah. That's not how it usually goes. So. I know. We'll have to We'll have to dig into that. But anyway, do you want to go first? Should I? I don't know. I feel like you... I'll I mean, go first. You should start. I'll go first. That's fine. All right. So this is a very <laughs> curated episode. I chose this person because I know Haley <gasps> loves him. <gasps> yeah, she knows already. I don't know. You have to know. It's I the don't com- know. I'm not looking at your shit right now. It's the comedian who we love. We stalked him outside the Pabst oh Theater when God. we were in high school. That is a throwback. And I... Yes. Dimitri. Dimitri Martin is who I will be. I love him. Researching his influences. You knew I loved him. I know. We we that have bonded so over this. We like back when like you know you'd watch YouTube in your friend's like basement. Yes. Everyone would sit around the computer. We watched like Dimitri Martin sketches. We did. When and we, we watched Rusty Spoon. What was that called? Salad Fingers. So, oh yeah. We watched scary. Salad Fingers and Dimitri Martin, and then we would play Pop Tropica sometimes. Yeah. Harry like, Potter Puppet Pals. Yep. All the classics. All the classics. So. Yeah, I picked Dimitri Martin. Dimitri Martin is a comedian, obviously. Um, also an actor, though. Film director, cartoonist, and musician. Kind of does a little bit of everything. Wow. I know. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. Uh, he was born into a Greek-American family in New York City in 1973. May 25th, Gemini. Yeah. I don't know anything about Geminis. You? But you, you're, I don't know anything about My sister's a Gemini. Kate's a Gemini. What is that? What does that mean? I don't know. What's his rising sign? Because that's what we, I really want to know. I don't know. I don't know anything about astrology. What's why did exact I bring up time of birth? Why did I bring up Gemini if I like don't know what it means? I don't know. But anyway, Dimitri I Martin. Know, neither of us do. So it's I fine. know. <laughs> ignore ignore the astrology. We're we'll we'll learn about it for we'll, now. For now, future episodes. Watch out. Um, but Dimitri Martin is known for his deadpan delivery, accompanying his jokes with various instruments and using a large drawing pad to draw various cartoons and graphs and stuff. I think he's a really... Pictionary. S- yes, Pictionary. <laughs> I think he's a really smart comedian. Like, yes. evidenced by his graduation from Yale University in oh. 1995. He's an Ivy League. Holy. Ivy League man. He wow. got a BA in history. So Is that in his family? I don't... Oh, I looked up what his parents' Sorry. careers were. Shouldn't have asked. No, you, no, you're totally justified in that. I don't remember. I know my, I 
remember I have like my two other people. I know what their parents did for a living. And I don't know what Dimitri's did. They were Greek. They, they had, were Greek. They're having cookouts. They're all hanging out. Yeah. At the only that my only reference is my big fat Greek wedding. So that's what I know about Greek people. I believe Sorry it. about it. I think he had two siblings. Two other siblings. So like Did they all have the same haircut? Oh, I don't know. I hope they both. I hope they did. I want to see their family photo. I bet it is very cute. Um, but yeah, so okay, so back to Dimitri Martin. <laughs> We're good. We'll we'll go on lots of tangents. But um he graduated from Yale, so Ivy League man, and while he was enrolled at Yale, he wrote a two hundred and twenty-four word palindromic poem. Which oh. I don't know if you know what a palindrome is. It's like yes. when a word reads the same front to back and back to front. So like yeah. race car. Oh, that was mine. Taco cat. Hannah. Yeah. Hannah. Our Hannah's friend Hannah. One. Your <laughs> oldest friend. <laughs> is a palindrome. I was like, let's, let's throw some out there. My only two were race car and Hannah. There's, but he wrote a 224 word one. So like. I didn't know there were that many. It's. When you okay, so a lot of our sources are from Wikipedia, you know. Mm, that's the deal. It's it's the truth. But when you look up palindrome, Dimitri Martin shows up in the Wikipedia page because this two hundred and twenty four oh, word on. poem, it's like iconic. It's like the most like mainstream. But he he thing. went to Wikipedia to find them, right? He had I don't to know. He I don't know. Just, maybe he made them up. I don't know. I mean, he graduated so like. This is 95 that he graduated from Yale and he did this while he was at Yale. So I oh, bet he was old. He's old. I mean, born in 73. Oh, my God. He looks like a little man. Like. <laughs> he's he, great. Though. He's like the type of guy who like always is going to look 30 years old. I know. I don't. I mean, I. Yeah. But why did I say little man? <laughs> I don't know. He's 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 petite. He's got a petite he, stature. Yeah. Um. But so as he's writing this um, palindromic poem while he's at Yale, he's also a member of the Anti-Gravity Society, which sounds so cool. And it is cool, but it's like a juggling group, which, okay, so it's like a juggling club. If you know a lot of Dimitri Martin's stand-up, like he has one, like, I don't know, I would call it the useless talent skit, where all it is is him doing weird stuff like unicycling and juggling and doing all these other little things while in the background there's like a recording of his voice going useless talents <laughs> and then it's like interspersed with him going why why <laughs> useless talents but this is where he got it from yeah he's always had these i mean juggling useless you know not unless you're trying to make a quick penny on the street that's true that's true but he's always had this knack for like you know interesting Ju- hobbies i I'm just an advocate for juggling and unicycling. Like You're that's not, not useless. It's not useless. And You're that's right. My You're right. I I've <laughs> I've judged it a little bit harshly. You and me both know that we want to know how to juggle. Both we do. We and do. And I'll never it's not useless. I mean maybe. Well, no. I'm saying I'm sticking to what I said. It's not useless. It's not useless. The the jury is is back. <laughs> juggling I is not people useless. People who know how to do it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I do too. So fucking Demi- Demi- like people Martin. like Dimitri Martin. <laughs> so he attended New York University School of Law, but he withdrew in his final year. So he didn't graduate. He withdrew to pursue comedy, which I know like one of my other favorite skits other than this like useless talents one was the word of the day. Do you remember mm-hmm. yes. watching that one? Mm-hmm. So pretty much the skit is, well, it's more, 
it's like a stand-up routine, but he talks about how as he is, you know, in law school, taking all these law classes, he isn't very stimulated by them. So he starts this thing called the word of the day, where he encourages his fellow law students to use a very specific word in their answer. And he picks like hard words. In so like discussion section? In discussions. So like oh in God. the front of the whole class, like the one day the word will be bagel. And when you're talking about like Fourth Amendment cases, you like somehow have to work the word bagel in as you're at like this very prestigious like law school with like this really important professor like you know like <laughs> judging you you use the word bagel and I, like yeah I can't tell if that's like if he's the coolest kid in the class or the most annoying well he talks about that in the sketch where he's like he feels like a god like he's the reason oh why people god. are using words like cupcake during like litigation <laughs> cases and sassy and other legal context is context is <laughs> contexts that's the word um but how, like, eventually he gets to the point where he feels like he's crazy Dimitri. And, like, oh everyone's just like, he's a crazy guy. In, yeah, everyone's like, he's, like, the crazy guy in law school. Like, what's he going to do? Like, he's Oof. just, he's always joking. He's a big joke. But anyways, it ends up working out for him. So after he does, he drops out, pursues comedy. He catches a big break on Comedy, comedy Central's stand-up showcase premium blend. And after that, he starts writing for Late Night with Conan O'Brien in like 2003, 2004. He contributes to The Daily Show um, from about like 2005 to 2014. 2009, he hosted and starred in his own show on Comedy Central, mm. Important Things with Dimitri Martin. Yep. Watch that show. Love it. Um, and throughout that, you know, he's done some supporting roles in like TV shows. He was in New Girl for a hot minute. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, he was like someone's, I think he was someone's boyfriend, someone's like Mm. love interest. That's where he belongs. Yes, he's a cutie. Um, And he also has been in a couple feature films. I have a poster of one that he's in, um, In a World, written and directed by Lake Bell. That's like really charming. Oh, I love her. Yeah, it's really charming. I know the one he's, the one I remember him being in, I don't even know what the movie is called, but I watch it with you. And he's at a pool party and he's acting crazy. Oh, was it Take Me Home Tonight? Is he in a wheelchair? I Maybe. And he was, is it works like the, for a law firm or yes, something. Yes, and it's yeah. like an 80s thing and Topher Grace yes, is in yes. it. Yeah, Eric Foreman. Yes. Yeah, that, I think that's Take Me Home Tonight. Okay. I think that's that one. I just remember that one because I was like, oh, that's Jimmy Martin. That's Jimmy Martin. Martin. Which is funny when you know that he dropped out of law school. Yes. And like, but like he knows. But like, he's like he's a very smart. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I'm in that. I work for some law firm. It's like Goldman Sachs yes. or something. I, I don't know. Stupid. No, <laughs> no, you're fine. You are so that's good. The one law firm. <laughs> but yeah, so like that's Dimitri, and that's yeah. He's definitely we a fave artist. We love him. I talked a lot of shit just now, but we stand. Yeah, no, <laughs> we we talk shit because we love him. I called him a psycho, and I oh, kind of stand by it. If he thinks he's all that. He is real, though. He's really real. And he's oh, still he's doing so work. Real he's still vibes. doing real. Yeah. <laughs> he's still doing work. Like, he um, he just had a, com- not a Comedy Central thing. A Netflix special. Oh, oh Netflix yes. special. I watched it. In 2018. I think I watched it, too. I don't think I liked it as much as his old stuff. But, Agreed. you know, he's still funny and he's still touring. I think right now he's on the Wandering Mind tour. So if you're, like, in the South, you could go see him. He's yeah. not coming to the Midwest. And I he's looked. not going to come out and say hi to you after the show. No, yeah. So <laughs> just to bring that back a little, we talked, I briefly mentioned Haley and I stalking him after his show at the Paps. We didn't stalk. We just did that thing where you, like, wait outside the mm-hmm. stage door for well, them to come out. how old were you, like, 15? 
Yeah, we were in high school. Like we your were parents high drove us. Yeah, my mom was with me, so it was like my mom, you, <laughs> and he, Cassandra was with us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just like never showed up. We like thought we saw yeah. him like run to a car, and we yeah. were like, "Really, Dimitri? Like you didn't want to say hi to your fans? Like, like we know fine. where the green room is. You're not just like gonna sit there for three hours." I brought, that's how crazy we were. I brought my copy of his book. In, uh, it wasn't important things with me. It's called This is a Book. I brought, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I brought book. my copy of his book titled This is a Book for him to sign. So little 15-year-old me was very sad that and, and I didn't get him I to just, sign it. I remember your parents being so nice. They were like, how dare he not come out here for a couple 15-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, there was <laughs> a lot like, of... so nice and which, stick up for us. That, that's true. But now, I mean, like now that I'm older, like I get like, you know, you know... I you you owe don't. you don't Three owe your girls. fans. I know, I know. But at the same time, like you know, if he's tired, I'd be like, not today, fifteen-year-old girls. I went so. to Yale. I went to Yale. No, he's good. <laughs> okay, so I guess now we'll talk about the people that influenced Dimitri. Cool. Okay. He, um, so there were a couple of people he mentioned. One was a cartoonist for a newspaper yes. whom I have forgotten because I didn't pick. Um, <laughs> So instead, I picked his other main influence, Stephen Wright, another comedian. Okay. I don't know him. And I don't really know him either. And going to be honest, I didn't look up any of his stand-up. But as I read about him and I saw pictures of him, I was like, I have seen this man plenty of times before. Okay. So Stephen Wright, American stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and film producer, born in 1955 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Best known for his slow, deadpan delivery of jokes, one-liners, anti-humor, and much more. Which, honestly, his deadpan delivery, like, I can see how that influences Dimitri. Also, the funny, like, out-of-context, like, one-liners. That's, like, Dimitri's specialty. Yeah. Like, definitely gets that from Stephen Wright. So, just a little bit more info about him. He was ranked as the 15th greatest comedian by Rolling Stone's list of 50 greatest stand-up comics. So he's definitely really well regarded. And I should probably (laughs) know more about this man than I do. Yeah, we don't even know who this guy is. I know. I really, I should have watched him. I should have watched his stuff. But you know, it's fine. A little bit about how Stephen Wright became Stephen Wright. He was one of four children born to Lucille and Alexander Wright. He was raised a Roman Catholic. And his father worked for NASA during the (gasps) Apollo spacecraft program. But when that program ended, he was a truck driver. And he attended Middlesex Community College and Emerson College, graduating from Emerson in 1978, and then pursued his stand-up career. So, Wait, Stephen Wright was a truck driver or his dad? His dad. Oh, his His dad dad knows about aliens. Totally. No way. If he worked for the Apollo spacecraft program. That's what I want to know. Maybe that's why it ended. Like, my dying wish is to know, like, have we made contact? You just need to get, you know, the high government security clearance, Haley. Start your government job now. You can do that now that you're graduated. Damn. It's our oyster. Yeah, well, you can't get too close or you get killed. That's true. That's definitely a fact. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) For sure. Confirmed. Confirmed. So (laughs) Stephen Wright was discovered in 1982 by Peter Lassily, who was an executive producer of The the Tonight Show. Okay. So he was performing and this Peter guy sees him and is like, wow, you need to be on The Tonight Show. So he invites him to perform. He invites Wright to perform. And Wright impressed Johnny Carson. Ooh, the host good of man. the Tonight Show, good yeah. man, and was invited to return the following week. Like oh that's how good he was. Late night. Oh yeah, the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And so, oh. 
<laughs> then he releases this comedy album, I Have a Pony, which received a Grammy nomination and landed him an HBO special titled A Stephen Wright Special. Mm. And that special on HBO is the most requested and longest running comedy special on HBO. Is so, a comedy album the original podcast? Or is it just radio? I don't know. I mean, how do you how do you divide a comedy special into tracks to make a CD? I like I don't understand jokes. that. Yeah, maybe or like by bits, but like there's but always you, a transition. You so know too much, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's like, you know, railroading, causing divides in a special that's supposed to be fluid. I yeah. don't know. I, I mean, don't know we how we could works. talk about it all day. <laughs> we really could. We that that's a whole other podcast right there. Um so he has that really successful special, and yeah, then he's just, you know, he's a comedy writer, like stand-up comedian, just making it. And That's sick. And so he goes on, continues his career, and he went on to win an Oscar in 1989, not for his comedy, well, kind of for his comedy, um, but for a best short live-action film. Yeah. Cool. So there's that. And <laughs> So he's a director. Yeah. He's a film, yeah, he's a filmmaker. And I guess I looked at his filmography and the most recent thing he's done, he was the voice of Mel in the Emoji movie in 2017. Oh, so I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. But I, I love emojis. Yeah. And we I bet, do. yeah, I bet, you know, <laughs> it was a fun movie to be a voice for. Here's some I wonder tea. what emoji he was. I, I was just in a linguistics class this semester and I found out that, I think it was in 2015, the word of the year was an emoji, the laughing face emoji. It was sometime in the past few years. Like what? they literally said, fuck a word, here's an emoji. Like the greatest linguist in the world vote on this and they voted for an emoji. Which emoji did they pick? The laughing face. The laughing face. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's used. You know what though? It communicates so much more. Like it's yes. it's like encompasses so many words. That's wild. Is I know. There, like are you gonna add that to a dictionary? Like I don't know. Well, that uh, there's a whole like TED that's talk so on wild. It. <laughs> that's so wild to me, but also exciting. Yeah, that's the future, baby. Emojis. Soon Stephen we won't even be talking. It. Oh yeah, we're just gonna be mind talking. Yeah, with these emojis. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna. That's the future. So I guess after Stephen Wright, um, we'll talk to his influence and this guy. I mean, this guy I know way more than Stephen Wright. Like, okay, I should know more about Stephen Wright, but like. Everybody knows this guy. Okay, okay. George Carlin. Yes, I definitely yes. do not know him. <laughs> oh no! You know what? That's Ooh, okay. It's that's fine, okay. It's fine, it's fine. He is a very interesting man. So George <laughs> Carlin, what a dude! He is an American stand-up comedian, actor, author, and social critic. Born in Manhattan, New York, in 1937. Oh God! Died in 2008. Okay. Rest in peace. At Can the age I just of say? Sorry. No, I go keep for it. Keep interrupting you. He. Sounds like he's probably a little bit of a dick. Like in a funny way. Why? Oh, like social critic. Social critic. Yeah. Who gave you that title, you know? Yeah. Well, Wikipedia gave me the title <laughs> to give him. But I I mean, like, aren't all comedians social critics? Yeah, yeah I like, was just going to say, we're all fucking social critics. I see some cis wearing, like, some ugly shoes. In my mind, I think she's wearing ugly shoes. I can't even say that. <laughs> my shoes right now are... F- New <laughs> for just, reference, uh, Haley. Can you please describe the shoes you're wearing? My right shoes now? are um, f- platform fuzzy sandals, like they're red fuzz. They're all fuzz. 
and it's a sandal. It doesn't make any sense, but I loved it and I wanted it and I overnighted these babies. Social critic. But I still gonna talk shit about your <laughs> someone else's shoes on the street. That's the thing too. I mean, it's like it's all subjective. So <laughs> whatever. You know? <laughs> I, just, I like Haley's shoes I just for the record. <laughs> for the record, I like Haley's shoes. But I love them. So he's known. George Carlin is known for his black comedy, observations about politics, religion, various taboo topics. He was one of two sons born to Mary and Patrick Carlin. Mary was a secretary. And what did Patrick do? Patrick was like an advertisement person for the newspaper, The Sun. But Patrick was an alcoholic. And so Mary raised her two sons alone. Like, (gasps) shout out to Mary. So he left? Or was he just like... I just think he was an alcoholic. So she was like, not today. Yeah. So... She raised her two sons on her own. He attended a Roman Catholic parish school and, you know, then went to high school and was expelled from Cardinal Hayes High School at the age of 15. I don't know what he did, but he got expelled. And then decide. I know. You fill in, choose your own adventure, Mad Libs. What did George Carlin do? It has to be out there on the internet. It probably wasn't even that bad. I want to decide. Okay, what did he do? My, I think he flipped up over all the chairs and desks. And it was like nineteen, like forties, and they were like, "This is the worst thing someone could do this to our so school." So inconvenient. You're expelled. Exactly. I feel like he cussed someone out. Like he <gasps> like cussed out. Like yeah, this wasn't. Yeah, this isn't the Roman Catholic parish school that he was expelled from. But I feel like he like cussed out a He's nun a or something. Critic. You know, yeah. like yeah, he criticized someone. He probably was right, but he probably did it in like a really really inappropriate way that like really turned them off and they were like yeah no you can't go here anymore so he got expelled but then he went to a few other high schools i didn't find out if he graduated or not but he continued and eventually joined the u.s air force and trained as a radar technician so yeah starts off in the military well air force and um that's like the thing that goes beep I think they, and, yeah, I think they watch the radar and like communicate oh, with pilots and part stuff. Of every action movie. I think my grandfather might have been oh, a so radar cool. technician. I don't remember though. I love that scene, you know? You know the scene where they're just looking at it and they're waiting, and then all of a sudden the object is right next to them. And they're like, oh my God, we didn't see it on the radar. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so spook. Um, but so, okay, so he is in the Air Force and he is stationed in Louisiana. And while he's stationed in Louisiana, he like moonlights as a disc jockey hmm. at the radio station KJOE. And so he's like doubling it up, you know, doing the Air Force thing, doing this disc jockey thing. And in 1957, he receives a general discharge because his superiors deemed him to be an unproductive airman. Okay. Which, like, Ooh. all right. What did he do? Looked it up. He's been court-martialed three times. Oh and I, I, like, didn't really know what court-martialing was, but it's my understanding. It's, like, a military trial, kind of, to, oh like... My- but it's, like, to deem whether or not, like, what like what your punishment is or, yeah. like, what you've... Like, if what you've done is, like, worth... Like I, know, it's, I know what you mean. It's kind of, like, deciding, like, do you get punished? And apparently he's been, like, reprimanded and mm-hmm. stuff before. So he gets a general general discharge. So now his only uh. gig is this disc jockey thing at KJOE. Fun. And while he's there, he meets Jack Burns, mm-hmm. who ends up being, like, a comedy partner with him. And they form a little duo. And after some successful performances at a Fort Worth coffee house, they head for California to make a big in 1960. So... <laughs> They, just like 
the millennials. Oh yeah, we're all moving to LA. <laughs> That's a, I, all these filmmakers I'm graduating with. LA baby. Everybody's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. I'd love to, but I'm poor. Oh my gosh, it's so expensive to live there. I mean, I would need like two roommates, and by roommates, I don't mean where you like share a house and have your own rooms i mean like people living in my room with me yeah like i would need two to be able to afford one flat four yeah. girls yep <laughs> that would be that would be the way so they moved to moves to california they start like they have like a comedy morning show on k-day and you know it just kind of goes from there like in the 1960s he appears on a bunch of television variety shows eventually like his duo with jack burns kind of dissolved but they still like kept in touch and pursued their own individual careers so he appears on a bunch of variety shows becomes a frequent performer and guest host on the tonight show connection again with Stephen wright more late night television yeah and he over like um yeah sorry awkward pause it's fine reviewing my notes <laughs> but yeah so connection there went on to be a very successful stand-up comedian just kind of took off Gee. so exciting um one interesting fact though about george carlin his seven dirty words comedy Ooh. routine was kind of like the instigator for the 1978 u.s supreme court case the fcc versus pacifica foundation and it kind of was like the case that affirmed the government's power to regulate indecent <gasps> material on public oh, airwaves like, wait what year was it oh man 1978 oh i thought like Elvis and his junk did that. I know? mean, probably that was probably, I mean, this says it affirmed. So oh. like, you know, Official. there might've been, yeah. Weren't they like not allowed to, they could only show him above yeah, the waist. on thrusting and then everyone was like screaming in their living rooms in a bad way. Well, you know, depending, <laughs> depending, <laughs> depending on who you were, there was screaming involved, but um, yeah. So like that, like changed like a lot of like public broadcasting like regulations i think all because of george carlin i mean i like read an excerpt of the seven dirty words thing i mean it was just let's change it back it's what's called blue comedy where it's just very <laughs> profane Please. you know i love that but you know that stuff's funny <laughs> i mean yeah it's depending on making fun of someone it is i like a good smart comedian i think all these guys were oh yeah where it's like well especially dimitri to me it's like yeah. you can be funny without tearing someone else down or if you do need to tear someone else down you punch up you don't yes. punch down yeah. like you make fun of the rich the elites mm -hmm. like the government like you know you punch up you don't punch down and like make fun of people who like yeah. already are underprivileged and yeah you know those are my favorite comedians and They're i think too. all those guys probably like that i know Seems well smart. and i just think it's funny too so we f go from dimitri to steven to George and like Dimitri is so like this like blue comedy that's very profane like that is so not Dimitri like there's like a little bit of innuendo yeah. and sometimes he'll say like hell or yeah. damn but like he is so he's so not profane no those two words hell and damn would make it like so much funnier because yeah. we know he's not gonna say it yeah so like you know he it's it's just funny like how that influence goes back and like you can see Stephen Wright is like in the middle mm -hmm. like you can yeah. really see like the influence there and honestly we could do a whole episode just on like george carlin and like all of his influences because i mean he died in 2008 like it's not like he it goes back that far when he died yeah i mean 71 that's pretty old yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay this is really not that old <laughs> 
It's all but he's good. probably on drugs and stuff. Like he made it. I think he had a painkiller addiction. I do oh. think I read that. Ooh. Yeah, Sorry. which is it's hard, Sad. you know. That 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 those kind of addictions never are like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know. It's like you get hurt and you know, it just. I think that happened on. to Tom Petty. Well, I'm not gonna say that. Speculation. Here, he, I'm gonna sure. do Tom Petty sometime in the future. Okay. Don't tell me man. when. I want to be surprised. He died on my birthday. <laughs> Annoying. How oh dare he? <laughs> That's so sad. Ooh, that sounded mean. Whatever. Right. You're fine. <laughs> okay. Tom Petty. Here we go. Okay. Haley, let's. Why don't, why don't you mm. tell me who you Sit looked back, at? Sit back. Relax. We're gonna talk about three women yes. in literature. Yes, I'm so excited. I feel like I mean I've done, I've done Johnny Knoxville and Dimitri Barton. Like I feel like I've chosen like Some if we're dudes. gonna bunch of bunch of funny dudes. Like <laughs> not saying that the women aren't funny, but like let me these, give it to me. These give me women, the tea. I mean, to me they're pretty funny, hilarious. I'm so excited. But to others, <laughs> you might think they're pretty boring. Do you think but, I know who they are? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Big time. Big time, yes. Like all of them or like just the main one? You'll know. Okay. When I, well, I don't know. Anyway, so I just graduated from UW-Madison as an English literature, a Bachelor of Arts in English literature. So I've been reading novels for the past four years. It's been the worst. But most of them were all these old white dudes. And I was like, come on. Like, when are we going to get to the ladies? Yeah, enough of that. Turns out. They come in 18th century. Amazing. The, the beginning of the novel. We're leaving the romantic period. We're moving into the novel. Writing big, long, freaking stories. <laughs> I love it. And oh, I wish, okay, this first lady, honestly, I don't care about her. Sorry. Sorry, guys. She, I care about the one in the middle. That was my idea because she's my fave. But till. Then we have to talk about Helen Fielding. <laughs> Helen Fielding. I don't know who she is. She's awesome. Tell me more. I'm happy to talk about her, even though she wasn't my first choice. She is an English novelist and screenwriter, and she's known for Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I love a rom-com. I love those shows. I didn't see the newest one, the Bridget Jones Baby. Oh, I did. Because I heard it was sad, like, a little bit. It's wasn't sad. it? Didn't it's freaking good. Didn't, um... Colin Firth's uh, character die though? Isn't that what like? Mm. Isn't she raising the baby on her own? Oh my <laughs> god! You, I've been misinformed. That did not happen. I literally that's the reason I haven't seen it. Okay. So whoever you told me to, that it's on like Netflix or you know wherever you watch movies <laughs> legally. All right. I'm, anyway, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Continue. You should watch it. It's good. I will. It's just as happy go lucky. I love it. Well, you know. Okay, so. We know Bridget Jones' Diary. It's a sequence of novels and films beginning with the life of a 30-something singleton in London, just trying to make sense of life and love. I oh, love it. and my sources are Wikipedia <laughs> and an article from The Stylist. And there was no author, it was just The Stylist team, so someone didn't get any credit. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. Yeah, big shout out to Wikipedia. <laughs> so there's three Bridget Jones movies Bridget mm-hmm. Jones' Diary, Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason. And Bridget Jones' baby. With, oh my God, my favorite guys in the world, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant. And Renee Zellweger. She's the main. Yes. But Hugh Grant, I would give up 
my whole life for him. I am so team Colin Firth. <gasps> like, this is why we're friends, though. Because, like, <laughs> we like the same things, but we like different aspects of yeah. the same things. Like, I could take or leave Hugh Grant, honestly. Are you like, kidding me? After I saw him in uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, yeah, bad. What? I did not. I was like, I like that not into it. But, oh, my God. But everything but Colin IRL. Firth has ever been in. Hugh Grant, Pride and though. Prejudice. Mm. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Tea. Hmm. That's just some tea right there. Love me, Mr. Darcy. We might get back to that later. Okay, so Helen Fielding studied at St. Anne's College in Oxford. She was a, just a woman badass. I love it. A boss. She began at the BBC in 1979. She was a researcher, a production manager, a producer, and then she wrote and produced documentaries. And About then, what? Do you know? Like, like people in Africa. Okay. She was in Africa for a long time. Okay. Doing documentaries. And then she worked as a journalist and a columnist. And that's when Bridget Jones was born. Because Independent, in 1995, wanted her to write about her own life. I was going to say, isn't isn't Bridget Jones a journalist? Or doesn't she work for, like, a newspaper or a magazine? Isn't yeah. that... Yeah. Here, yeah. This is word for word. Okay. <laughs> but she said, it says, she was approached by London's The Independent to write a column about herself, a single woman in London. She rejected it because it was too embarrassing. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she offered instead to create an imaginary, exaggerated comic character. So she wrote anonymously, and she felt that she was able to be more honest about single women in their 30s. Oh, my gosh. I adore that. I love it. So kind of autobiographical, but also, like, exaggerated, exaggerated. And, and more honest. I love that. Yeah. So that's Helen Fielding. She wrote about... Women in their 30s, single, living in the big city, and up to some shit. And you know who that sounds like. Who's that sound like? My favorite author, Jane Austen. Jane Austen! Oh my gosh. So as I'm mentioning Mr. Darcy, <laughs> and you're like, oh, we'll bring that up later. <laughs> yes, go Hopefully on. I didn't spoil it, but we love Jane Austen. She's amazing. She's a badass. She's a feminist writer. She didn't even mean to be, honestly. She was just like, I'm writing these books, and I'm going to publish them. Have you seen the movie Austin Land? Like, I don't mean to take away. (laughs) I haven't. Oh, my gosh, Haley. You would love it. It's pretty much, okay, sorry, tangent, but, like, it's about, like, a retreat you can go to where you, like, pay money to, like, be immersed as a character in a Jane Austen novel. So, like, they dress you in the clothes. You should go. You, like, well, I don't know if it's real. There there Uh. should be one that should be real. But it's, like, it's a rom-com, and it's about this woman who, like, loves Mr. Darcy so much, so (laughs) she signs up for this thing to, like, go and be a part of it. And... Oh my God, what's her name? She's the wonderful lady in a Cinderella story. Oh, Jennifer Coolidge. Oh my God. She is in it and she's so funny. She's my favorite. She's so funny. You would love that film. I'm so okay, sorry. Austin Land? Austin Land. I'm writing it down in my mind. Perfect. I was going to say, I don't see a pen. <laughs> well, I don't want to make any noise. She's okay, got okay. It. Yeah, back to Jane Austen. I'm so sorry. Jane Austen is born December 16th, 1775, a Sagittarius. Yes. She's charming, social. And I want to have a freaking party and invite her. Because that sounds like, she sounds like a boss, honestly. Who would she honestly be today? Like, you know, like, I don't know. Oh, my God. Like, what is Jean Austen's personality? She doesn't belong in the 2000s. Yeah, she's too good for now. Yeah. Like, we'll learn more about her life, but I literally can't even picture it here. Anyway, she has seven, she has six brothers and one sister. 
she okay here the atmosphere of the austin home was quote open amused easily intellectual where the ideas of those with whom austin's might disagree politically or socially were considered and discussed <gasps> so civil yes and, like intellectual A liberal household everyone's talking and discussing and good argument that's skills. why she was able to be a writer like they probably mm-hmm. weren't like no you're a, like even though so much of her work is like no you're a woman you mm-hmm. can't have opinions and talk about controversial things that aren't like domestic yeah like her family totally encouraged that that's i mean yeah that's why she was able to be so creative and like so that be groundbreaking um so yeah we know her for her works like pride and prejudice sense and sensibility I wrote, alliteration who? <laughs> alliteration who? <laughs> oh, yeah. Friend. Yep. Oh, yeah. And my faves are Northanger Abbey and Emma. I love Emma. I am Emma. I am always stirring the fucking pot. Tell me about Emma. I don't know. Emma is about this girl. And, well, it's about all, all of our books about, like, girls growing up. Young mm. girls in marriage. But... She's kind of just like starting some fucking gossip all around town, trying to hook people up together. Like a matchmaker kind yeah, of thing? that's what okay. she thinks she's doing, but she's really starting so much drama. And she, is she best. helping anyone or is she just like making things worse? I guess maybe is it like in the end it all is resolved? Yeah, I'm not going to Okay, know, don't spoil, spoil Emma, this like 100-year-old <laughs> book. But I love her. I am Emma. You know, I'm Good. starting shit kind of for my own amusement. Sorry about it. <laughs> Gotta get your kicks. So, <laughs> in this stylist article, they wrote, 200 years later, everyone knows Jane Austen. She's not just a writer. She's a cult, a brand, and a cultural touchstone. Yeah. We love her. Um, her plots often explore the dependence of women on marriage in the pursuit of favorable social standing and economic security. You know? Yeah. But she's also a feminist. But mm-hmm. she's not like a huge, like she's not a vocal feminist. Her feminism is more subtle. But she's still one of the first authors to suggest that women should marry for love and not for social standing or money. Amazing. Love that. I feel that so strongly. <laughs> I, I don't. So rich guys, hit me up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a joke. Honestly, though, like, isn't that like, I think. Like, I've been thinking about that lately, and, like, I watched something about feminism in the 70s, and, like, seeing these ideas and, like, women who are, like, standing up for, like, equal pay and, like, equal rights, like, inside and outside the home and stuff, and to me, I'm, like, that's just, like, normal. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone, like, those aren't new ideas, but, like, those were, like, the first women to, like, vocalize them, Mm -hmm. so I'm, like, I can't even imagine being this, like, I mean, then I guess it's radical, but for me, it seems like, well, of course women should be equal in all ways. Like, but like to be someone who's vocalizing and to be like, hey, you know, like marry for love, like take care mm-hmm. of your heart. Like the fact that that's like a new thing is like, what? Insane. This is like, I can't imagine being the person who is like, yeah, I'm going to say it. No one's saying yeah. it, but I'm going to. Well, this is the time when women were set up by their parents. It was like yeah. your hubby is like a nobleman. Is gonna well, you're soon to be, or his dad's a nobleman, so you have to marry him so that for money. And if you are born into like a lower class house, like mm-hmm. you're just like your options are so limited. Yeah. There's like not a lot of like upward mobility, like socially mm-hmm. or economically. Like you know, like that's just like so wild that yeah. your fate is just like 
predetermined. If you're above, I don't remember the exact age. I don't know if there was one. If you're above like 20 or 25 and you're not married as a woman, nobody likes you. You have no chance. And you're going to take care of your father for the rest of your life. You're just like... Yeah. a spinster at 20 yes that's when, like, called a, a, a spinster. spinster and <laughs> and now like i'm an english major <laughs> yeah well like and now it's like oh my gosh like i know people who are like engaged and like about to get married and like very happy for them but i'm like oh my gosh i'm only 22 like, i know i don't how am i gonna know i want to be with someone for the rest like i, I don't, don't know that. i want to be like mindy kaling just have a baby on my own not worry about how, some fucking dude <laughs> honestly yes mindy kaling see oof I'm, that's scary yeah okay. she popularized free indirect discourse which is the freaking coolest narration style this is when the narrator you you basically trust the narrator you think but then the narrator is going in and out of the character's mind so you might oh. be talking about a girl having a normal day and then the narrator slips in it's not obvious but she's the narrator i said is a girl whatever um slips in and then is talking the way the character would talk so you can't always trust the narrator oh so like you think like you think it's like what is that um omniscient you think it's an omniscient narrator but then it suddenly becomes like limited yes okay so that's called free indirect discourse she popularized it she's not the first to do it okay um okay so (laughs) this is funny there's little biographical information about Jane Austen's life, except a few letters that survive and some biographical notes that her family members wrote. So during her lifetime, Austen may have written as many as 3,000 letters, but only 161 have survived. Insane. That's so many. And <laughs> this is the funniest thing. Many of her letters are written to Austen's older sister, Cassandra. But in 1843, she burned the greater part of them and cut pieces out of the ones that she kept. She destroyed or censored her sister's letters to prevent their falling into the hands of relatives and ensuring that, quote, younger nieces did not read any of Jane Austen's sometimes acid or forthright comments on neighbors or family members. (laughs) Wait, so she She was talking shit. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. So she burned the evidence. So Cassandra stuck up for her and said, Nope, she she was the perfect lady. <laughs> oh my gosh, like that is a true sister move. Like, See. like burn anything that would make me look bad. Yeah, like that's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, I was just like, I stand. Like Austin's the bomb. I want to know what she said about her neighbors. Like, oh my god, they're so loud. They're bumping like, music at eleven p.m. Could you imagine like reading like a page of like Jane Austen roasts? <laughs> just like how would like because she writes so well. Like, what is like a really well written roast? Like. Was she profane? Like, these are questions I have. Yeah. Jane Austen roasting her neighbors and her family. Yeah, an 18th century roast. Especially (laughs) in their house that, like, encourages this, like, you know, open, liberal, like, sharing ideas and discussion. Oh, my God. She was probably funny. I'm sure she's like, I don't agree with them. And, like, you know, goes off and (laughs) so interesting. Jane full of surprises. Yeah. You never know. So, as her education, her and her sister were sent to Oxford, just like Fielding. She studied in Oxford, so did Jane Austen. Um, but they caught typhoid, so they had to come home. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so then they went to another school in a city called Reading, where the head professor had a cork leg and a passion for theater. Amazing. <laughs> so I wrote, Miss Darby type. 
from High School Musical. <laughs> mm. You know, boisterous. Boisterous. Um, the family couldn't spend any more money, so she went home, and that was where the remainder of her schooling was. Um, she had unfettered access. That is, you know, I copy pasted that to her father's library and that of a family friend. So together, these collections were amounted to large library. Um, and her father was tolerant of Austin's sometimes risky experiments in writing and provided both sisters with expensive paper and materials for their writing and drawing. What a good dad. Supportive. Supportive. We stan. He's a reason. Well, no, he's not. <laughs> but thank you. Thanks for supporting our yes. queen. She wrote six major novels, and she was able to sell them to publishers through her brother. Because it was Did he have to like say he wrote them? Is it like that? He kind had of to thing? negotiate it. Okay. But her name was never printed on them. Oh. It was written by a lady. That was her name. A and lady? then is she did not get her names on her novels? Not when she was living. No. And then oh my her subsequent novels were like from the author of Pride and Prejudice. So it was never Jane Austen. Oh my gosh. When did that change? So th- was that like after she died. After she died, mm-hmm. someone was finally like, hey, let's give her yeah. the recognition when she deserves. W- women can write, too. <laughs> also, Jane thought? Austen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's Wild. a badass. But she made that money. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I saw somewhere. I can't confirm this. But I think in the stylist article, it said she made, in today's money, only like $20,000 from all of her books while she was living. But it wasn't a big deal at the time. She still was making more money than a normal girl. Oh, I'm and sure. she was living with her family. So, um, oh, okay. Now we're getting in to our next person. So she's influenced by earlier novels, earlier novels, uh, but she transformed them instead of rejecting them. So I recently wrote a paper on Castle of Otranto, written by Horace Walpole. And he was the shit. He was hilarious. He was very eccentric. He loved the medieval. So he literally built a mansion and surrounded himself with medieval art, textiles. Is he an American? Or No, no. no. He, it's in England. English? Okay. England. So he wrote the first gothic novel, Castle of Otranto. And then Jane Austen satire, like, you know, parodied it. And that was Northanger Abbey. Oh. So it's just like, you know, so funny. That's why I think they're so funny. <laughs> but that's not her major influence. She noted her major influence as Frances Burney. Tell me more. Who is that? <laughs> She's another woman in England. Yes. These are all English novelists. Um, she was otherwise known as Fanny Burney. <laughs> Fanny Burney. Fanny. What up? That's funny. <laughs> um... She was a satirical novelist, diarist, and playwright. Um, she's self-educated, and she began writing what she called her scribblings at the age of 10. Her <laughs> scribblings. That's what she called them. Amazing. She never went to school. She just, you know, self-taught, I guess, at home. Isn't that wild? That That's like insane. Some of like the brightest people that we like look back on and, and like yeah. study their work just like just had a knack for it. That's like just. Well, yeah. These, yeah. That's also, insane. like, great support, too. Yeah. Like, probably, like, she probably and had her privilege. own version of Mr. Austin financing her paper. Totally. Expenses and library access. And 
Yeah. Well, here is some tea. She was the keeper of the robes to George III's queen. So she was in court a lot. Oh. Like up here in high society. Okay. So yeah, she had a lot of privilege. Yeah. She had a lot of access to. Yeah. So her most famous novel was called Evelina. And I also had to read that this semester. That's about a coming of age girl in high class society in London. So she was writing directly from her own experience, which is so cool. Yes. But she would have been considered a spinster, but she married at age 41 to a French exile. <laughs> oh. And then she had a son a year later, and she was 42 in the wow. freaking 1800s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was probably dangerous. 1700s. That was probably dangerous. <laughs> I was like, okay, sis, like, go off. Um, okay. This is the funniest quote, so I just copy-pasted it. After a lengthy writing career and travels, during which she was stranded in France by warfare for more than 10 years, she settled in Bath, where she died on January 6th, 1840. Like, they just glossed over that. Oh, my gosh. So she had, like, a crazy life. She wrote Evelina. I, like I said, Evelina is a coming-of-age story that follows a girl deciding who to marry and battling familial issues. But again, Francis was a little bit talking about who Evelina loved. Not only who she was supposed to marry. Okay. Um, she published her novel, Evelina, anonymously in 1778. During that period, novel reading was frowned upon as something that young women of a certain social status should not do. But writing was out of the question. You could not write a novel. <laughs> so Bernie feared, this Fanny, feared that her father would discover what she called her scribblings. And then when she published Evelina, she told only her siblings and her aunts. Oh my gosh, <laughs> protect the scribblings. Yeah. And then her father read the novel after it was published and guessed that Bernie wrote it. <laughs> you know like, what? This is like what my daughter writes. So like he must he, have seen some writing or, you know what, that's because that's a big part of writing is your voice and mm -hmm. stuff. So she must have had like a really distinct way of expressing herself. Good, good on dad. Was he mad or was he? No. Oh, so, yes. News of her identity spread and it brought Fanny almost immediate fame with its unique narrative and comic strengths. Yes. Go Fanny. Then she wrote a novel called Cecilia. <gasps> That's my full name. <laughs> in 1782. Camilla in 1796. And The Wanderer in 1814. So she wrote a, a couple fucking novels, you know. Yes. Um, her early novels were read and enjoyed by R. Jane Austen, whose own title, Pride and Prejudice, is from the final pages of Cecilia. Yes. So this is the sad part. But after she died, much like a lot, this always this happens often with women, especially. Her novels suffered because biographers and critics felt that her diaries were more interesting and offered an accurate portrait of the 18th century life. But today, we know that her novels and played plays are, like, so cool and so awesome. And we're returning back to it um, because it gives her a unique outlook on social lives and struggles of women in a male-oriented culture. So, yeah. And scholars continue to value her diaries, novels, plays, everything for their candid depictions of English society. That is so awesome. And that's Fanny. That was such a good one. Like, honestly, like, I want to, like, 
I know we're, we stop at three, but like I want to keep going with Fanny. Like I'm yeah. so invested in Fanny now. Like well, who she had to have been reading novels on the on the down low, even though it wasn't to. allowed to. She had to if she was like self educated and this yeah. was like at the time in the 18th century when there was a novel that came out. You went to like a coffee house or something, and they would be reading it out loud. It was like a social event, like because not everybody knew how to read. Sure. And because not everyone had access to the novel. I'm sure it was expensive. Yeah. Like back then. That then they it was a social event. You went and you listened to a novel being read. So mm. that's how a lot of these novels and then Fanny became famous because it was like that's Fanny's novel. Oh my god. Well, especially like you mentioned like there's humor. Yes. Like I'm sure it people I'm sure people are like well, really feeling that stuff. If you're reading like Robinson Crusoe, like sorry Daniel Defoe, but that shit is boring. And oh, I had to read that. Guy, yeah. And then you get like a fun new it's like brand new perspective from a woman, a woman. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like insane. And like I don't know about like who would be at those coffee houses, but like if it if it was women, I'm sure they would be like, "Oh my gosh, I've never heard." Well, I don't know a, because a story it like says this. certain women, women of a certain social status, should not read or definitely not write. So. Oh, so maybe maybe they're not. Well, I maybe they were allowed to enjoy. You yeah. know, like, oh, it's a reading. Like, I'll sit here and do my cross stitching, and you know, yeah. But Fanny was like one of the first because okay. when Jane Austen came around, women and um like other 18th century novels that were written by women, definitely more women were enjoying them. Like Northanger Abbey was greatly loved by teen girls. Which is the shit. Thanks, guys. I gotta (laughs) learn. Thank you, Jane Austen. Yeah, thank you, Jane. And Francis and Helen. Yeah, and like you, okay, complimenting Haley here. You picked like, you can so clearly see the influence. Like, well, Jane credited Fanny. So that was easy. Good. But Helen, like, obviously, Bridget Jones' diary. Yeah. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, like, I don't have a lot of experience reading any of these novels. Like, again, I come from the filmmaker background, <laughs> so I watch a lot of movies. Well, Helen Fielding. Yeah. No, and I've seen, like, I've seen a bunch of, like, you know, adaptations of Pride and Prejudice. I've seen, mm-hmm. like, two of the three Bridget Jones <laughs> movies. And, like, oh, yeah, I get the same vibe from all of them. Like, mm-hmm. you are just so invested in the female character. And there's all these questions of love, but also just, like, life in general. Like, it it passes the Bechdel test, I think, right? Like, it's not all about just, like, her pursuing men. It's also, mm-hmm. like, you know, I have ideas. And yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm a person. She like, gave female characters, like, the right to be happy and the right to have her own ideas. Oh, I love that. And the right to have some power. You know, yeah, Emma's in here like moving some shit around. You know, yep, that was great. I love that. Was it okay? I enjoy your like, favorite artist. I didn't know exactly what to write, but no, ten out of ten first <gasps> cool. podcast people. Oh yeah, that was fantastic. I love that. Yeah, I'm sorry, male comedians. I talked about today. I'm leaving <laughs> you in the dust next week. Two bye weeks bye. from now. Two weeks from now. Um. It's going to be women next week for me. <laughs> Maybe I'll switch it up and do it. Yeah, we can switch it up. Like, you know. I can't, like, oh my God. If you're a man and you're offended because we want to talk about women, just calm down a little bit, you know. Yeah, like, we, we have already talked about you for two we episodes now. We love you. I love you, you know. Love, you, you we know? love you, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, 
you know we're, we're ladies we're ladies we are and you know there's like influence can come from so many different places like you know my last week's episode was about Johnny Knoxville, Buster Keaton, mm-hmm. and his dad, Joe Keaton. You know, like, I want to do one where, like, it's, like, a mom who's just, like, oh totally, Badass. like, plowed the way for their kid. And, like, like not like they didn't earn their spot in the limelight, but, like, you know, just a woman who, like, totally, like, plowed the way for a man, you know? Like, yes. I'm, we're going to find it. And it's going to be one of our do favorite artists because it's just the you way it is. You not even need to do any digging. Yeah. Like, we know that women are out here, like, paving the way. Oh, yeah. We'll find a good one. But <laughs> I guess, yeah, just, like, thanks so much. Like, Haley's going to be a regular co-host, you guys. So Hi. you haven't seen the end of her. Uh-oh. Obviously. <laughs> you haven't seen Sorry the end of it. her. Sorry about it. No. No. She'll, she'll be around. So, yeah, like, I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. You know? Like, thank you for listening to us and all of our tangents and <laughs> stuff. It's been great. Yeah. And I don't know. Graham, is this going to come out this Wednesday, upcoming Wednesday? Yep. So, you know, we'll see you. I mean, you'll be listening to this on a Wednesday. So <laughs> hello enjoyed. from hello from last Friday, yeah. I guess. Um, what up? What up? Cece will be a college graduate. I will officially. be. When you're when you're listening to this, I will be unemployed. Hire me. Yeah. Filmmaker for hire. Um, <laughs> both of us, DM honestly. Me. You know, we're 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 ready to join that workforce. Um so yeah, um Haley. Uh thank you so much for yeah. listening. Make sure to follow us. Um, if you want to check out the other podcasts on the Zima Podcasting Network, visit Apple Podcasts. And definitely subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening. And let us know who's your favorite artist. We have a Facebook page called OG Influencers. Find us there. Yeah. Send us an email. We have a Gmail. If you have a favorite artist and like, you know, like we just said, if you know someone who's like been heavily influenced mm-hmm. by like badass females or like really just anyone honestly like i'm open to ideas yeah any kind of art any kind of art like we've covered stuntmen we've covered novelists we've covered comedians like you know there's painters there's musicians there's actors there's i'm a postmodernist everybody in the world is an artist oh yeah that's just everyone hot tea culinary (laughs) artists even (gasps) yeah you know like rachel ray Gordon Ramsay, like oh yeah, baby. I oh it. yeah, I've heard Gordon Ramsay has a spicy. He's funny. He's got a spicy influence story though. We'll have to do that soon. I heard he stole like <gasps> the guy who taught him everything. I heard he like stole his entire kitchen staff and like started his own restaurant. This is hearsay, by the way. I don't know if oh, this is true. I heard this through the grapevine. Yeah, let's give me some like hot tea influences. Yeah. Oh, we'll do we'll do like a drama episode yeah. about like the biggest drama. Every episode is drama for me. They are. They definitely are. <laughs> but we'll like people who stole another person's like entire work. You know? Oh my god. We'll yes. do one of those. Like Ariana Grande and Katy Perry. <gasps> I don't know about that. That'll be for another week for sure. Well, again, don't thank you for up. listening. <laughs> again, yeah, don't look it up. We'll tell you here. <laughs> thank um you. yeah, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcast, you know. iTunes. Listen to us. Let us know. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.